standing here at Nep. There's a stork just landed in the field. You were listening to the sound of a nightingale with your good friend Dave Steele. Hi Dave. Hello there. <laughs> Welcome to the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. to episode 156 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Hello, confidently said. With, with me, Nick Page, and there we are. Back, We're back with uh, Joe Attenborough. <laughs> out in the wild. It's so incredible up there. I'll tell you, Is it? there are storks flying around everywhere. There's nightingales singing. There's deer. There's, there's you know, wild pigs and piglets. There's, it's just incredible. There were fish trying to swim up a little ramp they kept jumping out the water and trying to get up this little waterfall it's inc- incredible it's like the wild salmon jumping upstream to spawn except there are no bears around at least not that i'm aware of but it is an incredible place it's beautiful you'd love it yeah I'd, uh, it's, well, it's lovely that you've got it on your doorstep and it's lovely that mm. you're recording it just to uh, sort of rub our noses in it but um <laughs> listen i want you i've been out in my garden you're not Have the you? only one who's been out yeah. in nature so i'm just going to play a little uh, sound recording that i've literally just made this just now here we go okay hi well i'm in my back garden and oh, look. there's a lion <laughs> I think that's a pterodactyl over there. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and a yeah. T-Rex in the corner. Yeah, great. So, uh, welcome. Welcome to the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Yeah, huh. So there you go. <laughs> Has anyone ever told you you're a stupid boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, I, that's my career you're talking about. Here. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the wildlife edition, everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got, I've, fortunately, I've got a big gulp. You, you just have to always have to go one better, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're late. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Was, I was running late. The service went on and then there was a crash on the A27. I had to go down the coast. There's traffic everywhere. Why is there so much traffic? You've been in the pub. Oh. You've been in the pub. There's no traffic. You've been in the pub. And I had to, I've had i turned down, literally turned down, going to the pub to record this. Uh, I haven't been in the pub, and I don't feel mm. sorry for you for turning down being in the pub. So, there. Wow. Anyway. Anyway, the delay did give me time to go and record the wildlife, so that was good. <laughs> um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, ish. Yeah, we'll come on to that in a minute. Football. Yeah. Let's talk about football. <laughs> what a, what a week what? it's been the most entertaining football's been for years as far as i'm concerned because as you know i don't really follow it no, but, you... i mean this was joyous wasn't it all this uh super league rubbish well i i seem to remember you saying that you'd stopped watching football because it seemed to be all about the money 
Um, yes. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, it comes to something when UEFA are seen as the good guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the most corrupt organisations you can ever hope to come across. <laughs> What's happened there? Second only to our own government, but let's not go there. <laughs> oh, Joe, a bit of satire there. Anyway, uh, no, very fascinating and fascinating the backlash. The idea that... You know, it's not the money, is it? Because most football supporters I know, they want their clubs to spend lots of money. They want, you know, they're they're not worried about the financial model. They want to buy the most expensive players. But it's that lack of competition that was interesting, wasn't it? The idea that it would close shop. Exactly. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Also, can we just have a little moment to pause and remember that AFC Wimbledon, the mighty AFC Wimbledon, who've been languishing in the relegation zone all season, have just won their last four games. It's like they say, oh, I suppose we should win a few now. And they have, and they're not in the relegation zone. So that's very exciting. But they weren't invited to join the European Super League. Extraordinarily, they were overlooked. (laughs) (laughs) The same way I was for the Duke service. Speaking of the Duke service, and that was you making a noise this time, not me, I hasten to add. So let yes, let sorry let, that was my let that was the, my phone going on. Let the records show, ladies and gentlemen, no. that Nick is making loud noises in the background. No, let's talk about the Duke of Edinburgh's service. Um, mm. Did you not want to hug the Queen a little bit? I did. Bless her. She looked such a sad, lonely figure, um, socially distanced in the little pew on her own. Um, mm. yeah. Honest truth. Yep. Yeah. I didn't watch it. Then yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I went out to the pub. I thought you were catching up on Gardener's World. <laughs> no, that as well. Angrily. No, I, I actually went out and had a had a meal. Oh, did you? In a, in a pub, and it was lovely. Yeah, so oh. I didn't see the service. No, she did look very forlorn. At, you oh, but you, you must have seen that kind of thing for the past well, year, Well, yes, you? except that people don't generally all sit as isolated as they were because you can be in your family bubbles so you know there's normally someone hugging the widow or widower yes Um, and uh, they were obviously having to make a big sort of example i suppose so well what you missed i mean i think universally it was praised as a very good service and you know far be it from me um, to say anything else but i did find it a little bit you know the tradition I found awkward, but I know I stand alone in this. The these and the thys and the thous, mm. and we beseech mm. thy holy name. It still, for me, grates a bit because it it feels like, you know, it reinforces the idea of priesthood and a special language for special people who have a connection with God. But I know, I know most people do not see it that way. And in fact, a lot of unchurched people like the tradition a lot more than a kind of more familiar mm. tone. So, yes. I think yeah. it depends, really. I think I don't mind it. I mean, we'll talk about it in a little while, but I mean, I don't, I don't mind it, that kind of uh, tradition and that kind of language yeah. in the liturgy. I get, I get yeah. kind of I get more annoyed about it when people always use the authorised version of the Bible. That's what yeah. <laughs> it takes. Yeah. But, yeah, we have different ideas. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So there we go. What else have you been up to? Um, I had speech therapy. Did you? Yeah. Why? Well, here's the thing. I've had um, a throat problem for a long time, for about a year, which is linked with something else. And so because so much of my job is about talking, mm. you know, either doing this or or, or, yeah. or speaking or whatever, mm. um, 
they referred me to a speech therapist for exercises and I've got to do all kinds of healthy things. I've got to hydrate, you know, Ooh. you know, just look after my voice, oh. which is which is good. Really, it was, it was very good. I've got another idea. Why don't you just what? stop talking for a little while? Let <laughs> well, someone else the... get a word in edgeways. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Do you know what I've got to do? Most throats get a bit of rest. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> she said, you've got to have a, a speech nap every now and then. <laughs> Thank it. you. <laughs> I've got to have a speech nap. So at certain points, I have literally got to shut up. Oh, and, uh, thank you, Lord. This is a great moment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, talking of shutting up and being yeah. silent, how was your retreat? You went on a retreat. Oh, you? I did. Yeah, I did. I, I, I had. I went to the Isle of Sheppey, and as you mm. know, the Isle of Sheppey it doesn't have the greatest reputation in the world um, for some reason. Um, very unfairly. Do you want to unpack that? For, you know, a lot of people won't know it. Is it seen well, as because, sort of because, dodgy or what? Well, yeah, it's seen as a bit dingy and a bit dark. Oh, and, you yeah, know, the okay. Town, you know, kind of jabby reputation, all the rest of it, very unfairly, but that's that's how it goes. But here's the, here's the truth about the Isle of Sheppey. Half of it's a nature reserve. Half of it is right. totally unpopulated, apart from a few handful of uh, farm buildings. So it's this extraordinary reserve where you see all kind of birds. Anyway, so the, the to answer your question, I had a lovely, lovely time. It was peaceful. It was quiet. It was everything, you know, a time of quiet and reflection should be. Mm. But so that's the good news. The bad news is I am still that blooming old iPhone, you know, that, that you charge and it gets 100% and then you unplug it and within 10 minutes you're down to 5% again and that is genuinely yeah, how I feel yeah. about that retreat it was wonderful it's great I came away thinking oh that's done me a lot of good hallelujah hurrah and um and you know about after about 20 emails and a service and two I'm I'm sort of going oh really I'd like a holiday mm. <laughs> it's woeful it's pathetic but it is the fact of the matter well, you sent me a good uh, article mm. about it, which I'll put in the show notes. There's a link oh, yeah, to an article do. in the New York Times mm. on uh, languishing. Languishing. I am languishing. I so the idea, this uh, I don't know if it is a psychologist writing in the New York, New York Times. I can't mm. remember who it was. But we're talking about how it, this is a state that so mm. many people are in. It's not mm. depression, that it might, but it might yeah. tip that way if you're not careful. Yeah. It's not depression. It's just... Meh, it's just languishing. It, it's just it, that everybody's exhausted by by lockdown or by, you know, all the exactly. stuff that we've been through. And I'm seeing it more and more as we're coming out of lockdown, which is interesting. Mm. It's almost like we've been holding ourselves together and we've, you know, been running on adrenaline. And as we sort of just relax a bit, it's like, oh, the most immense sort of weariness comes up mm, and tiredness mm. and, and, and depression, I think, as well, mm. you know, what we've been through. So, yes, a lot of my friends are sort of saying the same things, which I, I guess is sort of comforting because it means you're not on your own. But, um, yeah, the common symptoms of this are just feeling very lifeless, feeling very weary, struggling to you know get excited about doing anything in particular mm. and i think also a little bit of a fear of going back to busyness really mm. Uh, that, mm. i think that's what i'm seeing and that's certainly how i'm feeling as well so yeah i've met so many people who who, yeah. who are experiencing this 
Um, I see one in the mirror most days as well. You know, I think <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, exactly it, right. It just does feel like that. Everything feels like an effort. Yes. And uh, even things that you should be sort of excited about. Yes, exactly. It's kind of hard to feel much enthusiasm. I'm sure it'll come back, and the spring will help, and and all that kind yes. of stuff. Yes. But uh, maybe we should just give ourselves a little moments to languish. Yes. And uh, uh, you know. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, and if you're not feeling that that, and you started this podcast feeling all happy and excited to be here, oh, I apologise unreservedly. But there we are. We're we're languishing. We're your languishing hosts this week. <laughs> yeah, so we we do our best to get ourselves up for this though, because if you're not excited about recording the Mid Faith Crisis podcast, then hmm. what can you get excited about? That's what I think. We can get excited about it because we have such great listeners who write such brilliant emails. Uh, so oh, let's let's turn to them <laughs> to to pick us all up. Good, <laughs> so, I agree. Okay, so um, let's start with Rob. And uh, Rob wrote a great one. He said, uh, "Dear Joe and Nick, I've somehow managed to be selected to be on our church teaching team and been asked to write a, a teaching series on the wisdom literature." Being aware of my inadequacy, I do what any self-respecting person would do and scour the internet, podcasts and occasional books, steal any bright ideas. You'll be pleased to know I've already taken Cycle of Grace from a previous sermon and devastated the midweek Bible study group by nicking Nick's line about most Christians having never read the Bible. Anyway, my point of writing is after studying Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, I'm wondering if we're witnessing Solomon going through the four stages of faith, which Brian brazenly stole from Joe. Thank you for noticing that, Rob. Yes, that's true. It says Proverbs on the surface seems very black and white. Some might say quite simplistic. It also seems to have a step-by-step plan to success, possibly quite complex. But then you hit Ecclesiastes and Solomon is shaken by the realities of life, or more accurately, death. The passing of time and that bad luck can happen to good people and vice versa, all of which seem against his original thoughts in Proverbs. I'm fairly confident he's quite perplexed, but scattered in his cynicism, he says, just have a drink and food with friends and be happy with your lot. And ends the book with a calm statement of love God, love others, and everything will be all right in the end. Maybe, just maybe, he's found harmony. I'm convinced more than ever that the Bible, and particularly the wisdom books, are very self-aware that they're not giving clear answers, but are designed to make you uncomfortable by asking difficult questions that force you to actively engage with God and the realities of the world around us. Can I be brave enough to use this to move people towards harmony, to respect that some people are in simplicity and complexity? needing to take Proverbs quite literally, and that this is a vital part of the journey, but be clear that this is not the end, that the perplexity stage seen in Ecclesiastes is not the most fun stage, but is the only way to harmony, that the difficult questions, the inerrant mystery and the incomprehensible scale of God are not things to run away from, but unnecessary to force us to release the apple, to let God be God, live in harmony, have a drink and food with friends and be happy with your lot. Any wisdom on this tip? topic that i can claim as my own is gratefully received god bless you both and thank you for the podcast blah 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 well interesting i i um i have i have a commentary on ecclesiastes which is oh. titled ecclesiastes the midlife crisis <laughs> <So> <laughs> it very much follows that kind of yeah. line um yeah i suppose I'd, I'd respond in a few ways i think it's very interesting mm. analysis i think i think it kind of works uh, to some extent um I, I suppose different books of the bible resonate with us don't they yeah. different stages Mm, um definitely a lot of people a lot of people in the earlier stages of faith can't 
grasp what Ecclesiastes is even doing yeah. in the Bible. I know. Um, I know. Another reason I love it being there. <laughs> well, yeah. But did you always love it being there? No, I just didn't understand it. Well, I didn't read it classically. Yes. I had a look at it and thought, that's weird, and didn't read it. So, I mean, I think that's the thing. And I think I find that even story, certain stories or chapters within certain books become more important or less important at certain points in your life. Mm. Even within the Gospels, certain parables now speak much more richly yeah. to me than they yeah. ever did before. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think I would say that just because just because it, we don't have to jettison the simplicity stuff no, either. Absolutely not. No. So Proverbs doesn't speak any less necessarily to me. You know, I, I think this is a good analysis. I can see what mm. it what it's doing. Mm. But some bits of Proverbs are just true, I think. Yeah. They just work. Yeah. Um and just because we're in a different space doesn't mean we have to jettison that bit. Um but I think we read it with a different view. Yeah, exactly. It's good stuff. It's returning to it with that second naivety, isn't it? And yeah. and that kind of well, you you have questioned it all now, and you have discovered it's not as simple as it seems. But actually, it's quite nice to go back to a sort of simplicity. I mean, I, I heard uh, Rob Bell describe uh, proverbs as uh, as as wisdom, but Ecclesiastes is the wisdom beyond wisdom. In other words, yes. there is that kind of simplicity. If you do this, your life will go well. If you do this, sure. that will happen. If you do this, and then you realise, oh, life doesn't work like that and then ecclesiastes is quite a comfort to read because you you do see uh, that there's a much more complex thing going on mm, mm, yeah mm. i mean I, I think the thing is it's not a zero-sum game so yeah so we're told for example that the bible is a book of answers now if you just view it as a book of answers yeah it doesn't work no if you if you if you if you just view it yeah. equally as a book of questions you're missing out on it the fact is it's a book of answers in some respects and it's a book of questions in some respect mm. and both can coexist and there'll be different kinds of things at different stages of your life i mean i, th I had a very profound experience mm. of reading ecclesiastes while i was on um what my wife called the pub grimage <laughs> yeah. a couple of years ago yeah yeah uh where my friend and i sat and read it as we went along, we, we sat in various places and read it. And read, oh. sitting and reading Ecclesiastes in a ruined church yeah. is a very profound experience, mm. actually, and throws it into an entirely new light. Yeah, well, that's so, great. That, that is brilliant. And may I say, you should write a book about the Bible because you're quite good on this stuff, if I do so. Well, maybe I will one day. Yeah. yeah. Um, Rachel wrote in and read a lovely email and she just wanted to really recommend the author Rachel Held Evans for people who are sort of in that deconstruction, reconstruction faith. And amen, Rachel. I quite agree. Uh, she's a brilliant author and uh, well worth reading. Uh, Phil wrote in and said, hi, Joe and Nick. Just wanted to say thanks for the episodes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you talked a little about what a stage four church would look like. And I really like the karate school image. But you also mentioned smaller churches and the cell church image. It led me to reflect on how stage two churches take elements of stage four living and use them because they are helpful in seeking successful ways of being. I've noticed this with other stage four activities like contemplation or connecting with nature, which may be co-opted by stage two churches and individuals because they seem to promise success. He says, by the way, on the subject of smaller churches, I recall a memorable phase from a Shane Claiborne book many years ago called Irresistible Revolution. He said, we'll get smaller and smaller till we take over the world. <laughs> Great strategy. Thanks again. <laughs> that's good, isn't it? I like that. So that's interesting. So, so Phil is talking about the idea of of taking mm. practices that might be 
more complex and sort of turning them into a results oriented simplistic kind of thing is that right yes exactly yeah i think that's always the temptation for us and i I think i've certainly been guilty of that in my time so yes Mm. that's very true phil thank you the other thing in his emails about the 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 karate school yes yes yeah you come in and you know there's a black belt ahead of you and i've been thinking a lot about that because i you know i i wonder why churches haven't said mm. well you come in at this level and then there's mm. lots of mm. and i think it's two things one is because the idea of sort of post-reformation idea of justification salvation is that you're in or you're out yes and so if you're justified by faith that's it yes that's the that's the goal yeah. you've yeah. you've got an immediate black belt straight away exactly yeah yeah and the other i think is a quite is is the idea that a fear of almost gnosticism a fear of saying you know, those are the experts up there and yeah, the lowly exactly. ones down here. And we struggle with that when we talk about stages of faith. Yes, you know, we do. Trying to sort of talk about it in that way. But I, I do think it's a really helpful image. If you could get round that, if you could find some way of expressing it to say, look, you know, there's all these places to go to. Perhaps yes. a geographical image is better on the journey. You know, yeah. a, you're in here, but look at all these places we've got to, we can visit. Yes. And these places you can go. That's right. And everyone I know who's talked about stages of faith has struggled to say, this isn't a linear process. Yeah. It's not that you're you're ignorant if you're in stage one and you've made it and you're enlightened if you're in stage four. Most of them say, no, you're 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 simultaneously in different stages in different areas of your life and even different areas of your faith understanding mm. so it's a much more complex matrix than anything you can ever present uh, in a linear fashion but it's worth saying that every now and then okay moving on ian mm-hmm. says this he says hi joe nick an insightful interview with brian mclaren thank you really helpful to get a simple yet profound perspective on faith stages there was one observation amongst others that struck me, that of the authoritarian perspective with specific reference to what's been happening in the USA. Coincidentally, just a few hours before listening to the podcast, I was reading about the link between authority and obedience. It was said the two should not be divided. The writer posed a thoughtful question. Do we live our authority in obedience or do we live our obedience with authority? We see exemplified in Jesus, one to whom was given all authority, yet who lived in complete obedience to the Father, authority that he exercised out of compassion and not self-interest. In contrast, uh, Brian made reference to the narcissism we have seen in politics, which has sadly been replicated in churches, even going on to suggest it is authoritarian leaders in religion that have influenced politics. It certainly clarified for me the concept of stage one. It was illuminating to see this is where many people have regressed to or possibly never emerged from in the first place. It helps explain why conspiracies have gained traction. Similarly, why extreme right-wing views in churches have made adherence. Uh, followers oblige authoritarian leaders precisely because of the simplicity. Just follow the leader. Adopt the polarised view. It's black and white. There's no room for another view. Align yourself to a leader, for example, who dismisses the COVID threat and who you don't need to be concerned about. Tells you you don't need to be concerned about it. We can see a distinct lack of compassion and mutual respect. The challenge for me in seeing it is responding to it in a way that honours Jesus and those I connect with. Ian. 
Uh, yes, Ian, I, I, I definitely agree with this. It, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Especially about conspiracy theories. Why are people gaining traction? I feel like there's going to be a big, big move back to flat earth or something like that at the moment. Because it, <laughs> it, we, why are we drawn? There's something about life and understanding how complex it is and how difficult it is that we are drawn back to simplistic answers, I think. And where someone is very confident and very bold and gives us black and white, mm. there's something very reassuring about that. And I, 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 I'm surprised there hasn't been a, a larger uh, rise in fundamentalism. Um, perhaps that's coming. I hope it isn't, but I wonder whether it is. Well, I think people love certainty, don't they? Mm. Um, and because that appeals to the sort of child in us. The children love certainty. Yeah. The big thing that children fear is change, I always think. Mm. Um, people want certainty. I think conspiracy theories and, and authoritarian leaders are obviously always related to powerlessness. If people mm. feel powerless, that's fertile ground for conspiracy theories to grow. Mm. Because conspiracy theories are only about knowing the truth, about saying, ah, you think you know the truth, you think you're in control. Actually, mm. we know what's really going on. Mm. And of course, that, that, yeah, that's sure. found in the Bible. Revelation comes out of that kind of uh, really? matrix as well. Okay. You get a small yeah. group of people who are, who are um, dismissed by the Roman Empire or hunted mm. or whatever. And, and apocalyptic writing is always about saying it's, a, it's basically a theological conspiracy theory. Basically okay. saying, hey, you think you know what's going on? We know what's going on. Okay. And so that's well, why that's I think good. it's beloved of these people is because it actually right. gives a sense of power where they have no power. Um, and, and people feed on that, I think. Yeah. Mm. Good. Thank you. Okay, well, let's just do one more. This is from Malcolm. And mm. uh, he says, hi, Joe and Nick. And he thanks us for the interviews with Brian McLaren, which he enjoyed. Uh he says um, uh, that Brian is such a wise, compassionate and generous man. For me, his four-step model really nails it, whereas some other models can almost come across as progressing steps along the road, to name some mystical uh, nirvana. Brian's just seems to simply show us where we happen to be. As such, I seem to find myself in harmony, not because I've arrived anywhere as a result of some sort of progression, but really just because the wheels fell off. And finally realising after several years of pain, but with thanks for the help to so many others, that I'm unconditionally loved, accepted and embraced by the divine. I always have been and I always will be, as ultimately uh, will everyone else, period. He says that's what my belief is anyway. Where I have doubts about Brian's ideas, though, is the reality of having multi-stage churches. The problem, as I see it, is that stage one and two churches just see themselves as being right meaning that by definition, stage four doctrine, such as it is, is wrong and dangerous. Uh, stage one and two churches will, in course, seek to then convert people to stage one truth, meaning that stage four generosity here is not likely to be well received. Stage one and two churches will inevitably uh, be led by stage one and two leaders or stage three leaders probably heading for a breakdown or the sack. And as we know, leaders are unable to take their flock further than they themselves have travelled and would be protecting them for what at that stage are all the right reasons. 
So I don't wish to be negative, but I suspect that we're mainly likely to end up with two sorts of churches, the very conservative and doctrinally certain and fairly certain evangelical churches that will continue to attract some by providing safe, friendly but conditional places to belong in a very uncomfortable world, and I'm not knocking that, and hopefully a growing number of soul place type alternatives which will pick up many from whom the wheels have fallen off. I hope I'm wrong. My wife certainly thinks I am. Uh, is this the idealist versus the pragmatist? But stage one or two churches are often very hard places for stage three or four people to survive in. Mm. And then he says, thanks again. Well, I think that's well said, Malcolm. And I suspect that is other kind of questions um, that Brian gets all the time. And indeed, that's what I was trying to say to him, that I do think, um, you know, stage two people will come in and, and wreck the party if you're trying to do this kind of all is harmony and all is love and this is the highest bit and this is where our Christian faith has been leading us to, to have this kind of universal love. Um, I think mm. I, I think it is. I think you're, you're right, actually, Malcolm. I think I agree with you. I think it's very hard for those people to accept you. You can accept them, but I think it's hard for them to accept you. Yes, I don't. I, I, I've been thinking a lot about churches <laughs> for the past, well for ages quite a long time but but we really just recently because i i think you can't have these mixed churches churches by their very nature will sort of exemplify certainly these aspects so i think okay. it maybe you can't have them and the, more importantly for me the issue of what kind of churches we have and what variety we have is is really going to become more and more important because I was um, surprised by a friend of mine who who runs a very good church, mm. um, and he he they sent out this survey mm. about their church sort of post COVID to all their church members, right? And he said out of that, seventy three percent said they are not going to come back to church every Sunday, mm. which mm. you know he, he he even as a church leader had a lot of sympathy with. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, there's lots of questions about that. The, one of the questions is, well, were they ever mm. coming every yes, Sunday? Yes, exactly. Or did That's, you just not notice? That was going to be my first question. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, perhaps what's happened in COVID is that they feel, yeah. given that m many churches will now go to a hybrid model, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you, you can go to church, in a sense, whenever you want, Yeah. they feel more okay to say that, to say, oh, I'm not going to come this week, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll catch up with it online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But... Yeah. It also, there'll be, I'm sure, a great many people who just don't come back at all. Yes. Yeah, I suspect that might be true. I mean, I think there are some people who just cannot wait to get back. And I certainly yes. speak with those. But I mean, they really have suffered and they just can't wait to get back and yeah. see the, you know, the family again. And who can blame them? Um, but yeah, a lot of people, I think, do. And I think it speaks into this languishing where we started, really. That fear mm -hmm. of going back to business. And if you've had Sunday mornings off, for a long while and you've started relaxing with coffee and a you know nice breakfast roll or whatever uh, in the garden uh, or with Andrew Marr in bed who can say uh, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> someone's got Andrew Marr in bed I don't know uh, but, <laughs> but but you know if you've got used to that style of living you might find it hard after a, you know 18 months of being um, away from church to go back and, and to give Andrew Marr up so I think I think the issue is, <laughs> leaving aside Andrew Marr here, it's hard to give up. I think hey, it is hard. But the issue, the issue is, um, <laughs> what kind of church would people come back for? 
because I think they yeah. should come back. So, you know, my when I say that, I mean, yeah. our commitment, well, certainly my commitment in this podcast, we've always been committed to the idea of church if you define church as a faith community, a Christian yeah. sort of faith community, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, I think we've, so. We've never wavered from that. Um, you know, that your church looks different to my church, but it's still seen as church. Uh, um, yeah. You don't sound sure. No, 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 no. I'm going with this. Yes, I do. Okay. I do see it as my. It is my church. There's no doubt about yes. it. Sorry. Yeah. Mm. So, so the issue is, well, what what kind of stuff is keeping them away? What, mm. what, what, what? Why are they not going back? And maybe that's the point. They're not getting that kind of community. They're not mm. getting what they need. What do you need out of a church? Yes. I, Claire, mm. we were talking about this. My mm. my better half and me were talking about it. And what would sort of attract us back? And uh, she said, what do, you, what do you want? What do you want? And I said, well, I want mystery. I want beauty. Yeah. I want history at the moment. That's what I feel I need. Mm. I, in fact, want the these and the thous and, and all that stuff mm. that you, you were talking about earlier. And so on Sunday, we actually went to um, Pershaw Abbey, which is a, a former mm. abbey church in, in um, mm. well, funnily enough, in Pershaw. Uh, which is a lovely little town. That's a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I know. Incidentally, if we've got any listeners in Persia, get in touch. I, I want to know what it's like, that town. But anyway, it's a lovely little town. And, but the Abbey is amazing. It's huge sort mm. of English Gothic perpendicular building, numinous, awe-inspiring. Okay. And, yeah. and it, was a, it was a spoken Eucharist. So, mm. you know, it was very formal. We had the, the wafer, mm. which I always find is mm. slightly strange. Yeah. You know, I always think if Jesus had meant us to have wafer at communion, he would have he would have had ice cream with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but for me, that was what I needed. And so yeah. what I began to wonder is, should we, in fact, be looking for a, a different kinds of communities? Should there be one place, which is my core community, as it were, a, gr- a group yeah. of people with whom I am doing yeah. discipleship? And that's yeah. the people that I'm committed to. But in terms of worship, maybe I go to different places yeah. for different things because I need a different balanced spiritual diet. Yeah, I mean, I know this is starting to sound all very consumerist, but I think that's exactly the way forward, isn't it? Because don't you need a community somewhere where you belong and where you care for others? And it can't be hundreds of people, can it? Because it's too big. So it is by very nature smaller. That is more, mm. It's more like a family, but... Not that you pick and select all lovely people like you. No, it's the people who are there and in front of you and you love them and you care for them. And we disciple one another. I think that's the key thing. We that's where, you know, that's where we're doing the discipling. But the the worship thing. And I think we're going to talk about this on the on the church weekend away. What does worship even mean for us? Because if it means singing along to a band lots of songs that we've sung hundreds of times and you know inane public prayer you know that's probably not the sort of worship that's going to get us back into churches i mean you know, i don't want to spoil the church weekend away but for me worship nowadays is so much about noticing it's noticing stuff. it's mm, stopping mm. long enough to notice what an amazing world god has made to use that language there it is you know to to notice the bugs and the blossoms and the leaves on the trees uh, coming out and to, to stop and notice the incoming tide and the fish and the 
seaweed and mm. you, you know to notice all that stuff is starts to generate this feeling of awe within me and that's for me you know i don't know that the traditional church models could replicate that sort of sense of awe and wonder at the divine i mm. it'd be very difficult and you're certainly not going to do it with a you know big pa system i don't think i think for me worship is increasingly about the bagpipes that's what i'll be bringing to the church weekend um <laughs> even though you don't play them <laughs> no, even, well, i don't play them oh heaven knows you don't want to play them oh, no. no i think so I, I suppose the consumerist thing is what is concerning me about this model and i think that's yeah. where the core community comes in if there's a yeah. core community to whom you are accountable and with whom you are journeying mm. That's a protection against consumerism. That's 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 where you have to make sacrifices. Yeah. That's where you have to get alongside people and learn yeah. how to, to 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 love and to care. Yes, it's, I think the problem is we've made like we've expected one church to do the whole thing. Yes, for us, exactly. To do our spiritual formation and for the whole of our lives. Yeah, and for the whole of our lives yeah. to do our spiritual formation, to do our Bible teaching, to do our yeah. our our worship, to do everything for us. Yes. and our community. Yeah. And maybe the original model was about community first and, you know, all the other mm. bits, wherever you found them. I don't know, really. But for me, I think mm. I'm looking in the future for a much more balanced mm. kind of spiritual diet from my own point of view and, yeah. and nourishing myself in certain ways, but also for engaging more deeply with a smaller group of people. I think that's where mm. I'm, I'm at. But also, I think that's natural and right that you as an adult, follower of the way are taking more and more responsibility for what it is you need you know that mm. you do need community and a gadsbridge you know that you know that an essential part of the call of your life is to love and care for people um and and so so you know you you do have to find the ways that you know honor mm. that and and mm. and take responsibility for it i think when we're younger young children can't always take responsibility and adults guide them and i think the same with the church i think you need a good big evangelical church possibly um you know for for a long but i certainly did and i you know i don't apologize for that or anything it was great at the time it just can't do what i need it to do now it's, it's also probably the reason why at certain stages in our life people will say their home group is their church. Yeah, I exactly. mean, you know, is, is the really important part for them. Exactly, because it's that small community again, and the 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 other bit is is sort of how you worship together as part of a larger group, which was kind of what you were mm. saying last week. At the end mm. of last week was mm. that cell church kind of idea of getting together. Yeah, get together for festivals, get together for you know jamborees, but but the majority of the time it is a small group because that's all it can be really. Mm. Mm. Anyway, it was it was profoundly moving. To be sitting in this ancient building mm. and to receive the Eucharist again after a year mm. of not having it or, you know, self-administering, as it were. Yeah. Um, I, I did find it immensely moving. It was, ju it was mm. just what I, I needed. That's interesting. So. Yeah, good. Well, we should uh, we should wrap up. And uh, thank you to everybody who's written in. Thank you very much indeed. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your email, but, you know. Thank you. Well, it's just part. You're not part of the elect. <laughs> exactly um, right. Get get over it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. Oh yes, uh, yes. That, we're really grateful for that. That's that's fantastic. Always so mm. encouraging. Yes. 
it is thank you everyone so much and uh, you know if you if you are one of those people who've been meaning to uh, you know subscribe you know a cup of coffee a month or anything like that please go to the uh, website midfaithcrisis.org there's a button there you can subscribe by um, you subscribe you can make a donation yeah quite a big cup of coffee a month would be good yeah one of, one of those fancy ones yeah a yeah. vat yeah a latte uh, anyway, or three. Uh, anyway, we're very, yeah, we're very <laughs> grateful we for, for that. We're grateful for people to write in. If people wanted to write in, Joe, where would they write in? Well, to? I would say they would write to Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Tremendous. Hmm. Uh, so thank you for being with us, and we will be back next week with probably more nature reports from out in the wild. Yes, exactly. And if you are languishing, please don't worry. Many of us are. It's going to be all right. All shall be well. 